Hello and welcome to Pete's Percussion Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Zambito, and we're here for episode 311 and part one of my conversation with New York City-based freelance percussionist and educator, Colleen Bernstein. We'll get back to her shortly, but first up, Marching Mizzou. As mentioned last week, Marching Mizzou had a busy performance few days. We played the halftime for the Kansas City Chiefs game against the Los Angeles Chargers on the premiere of Thursday Night Football on Amazon. Jeff Bezos was there. I I don't know if he stayed for our performance, but he was there. It's also pretty cool to be on Arrowhead Stadium's field for practice, then to be on the field in front of a jam-packed stadium for the performance. And the students did great. A really good partial Elton John show was put on from our first weekend, and we packed that down under six minutes and did a great job. Then, Saturday, we hosted our first band day in person since 2019. We had 12 local high schools come join us for a James Bond show, which seemed to go over pretty well, and our lead drum major for the show, Christine Malone, played the female-identifying James Bond. We enjoyed that. And then there's my stuff. The big item, as I mentioned last week, was giving my first percussion recital since March of 2020. It went down on Monday night, the 19th, and I have to be honest, I felt pretty good about it, which is high praise, because I, like many others, am my own worst critic and enemy about my own playing. But generally, I felt really good about the performance. That playing was one aspect that many folks who I talked to afterwards enjoyed, but many others also commented on the speaking portion of the show, which was great to hear. Even my wife felt like my oratorical skills have gotten better since last time. Thank you to Lecture Teaching, the pandemic, and this podcast. I put a lot of time into preparing the talking portion of the show, as well as the playing, and I'm glad folks were able to connect to the pieces I was performing. I essentially turned it into a music history class that I teach. It's just that I did all the playing instead of playing recorded music. Good times. The other item is that I was interviewed on the Percussive Arts Society's University Pedagogy Committee Sunday interview series on Facebook Live. It resides on their Facebook page, and it was fun getting to talk to recent podcast guest Mike Sammons, along with soon-to-be podcast guest Benjamin Tomlinson, a lot about what I've learned as a podcast host and university professor. So check that out. Both items are in the links portion of the show notes. All right, that's way more about me than you'd ever want to know, so let's get to Colleen. As is frequently the case, I'm meeting Colleen Bernstein for the first time. I found out about her through her work in the Percussive Arts Society Diversity Alliance, along with her work as a freelance percussionist in the New York and New Jersey area. She's been active in the college and K-12 teaching, performing on Broadway, performing in many different types of local ensembles, and making a full portfolio career for herself in a very challenging arts world. As we got to talking, we started to find more and more topics that we were able to talk longer and in more depth about, and as such, we'll be dividing this up into two parts. So today in part one, we'll hear about her career as a performer and educator 
in New York City and New Jersey, her work with the Diversity Alliance, growing up in Albany, her time in the Empire State Youth Orchestra, and her years at Eastman. Next week on part two, we'll hear the rest. So let's get to it. We recorded this interview over Zoom on September 9th and 16th, 2022, and it begins right now. All right, so Colleen, give me a summation of your percussion responsibilities and activities as they are right now. Uh, So I am uh, freelancing in New York City right now and trying to build, you know, a a career around a lot of different types of performance. Um, I'm also doing a a number of uh, teaching things, like teaching at the collegiate level a little bit, um, teaching middle and high school students and different kinds of programs. Um, So that's sort of the the general sense of what I'm doing. But um, more specifically, just recently, I've been playing with um, orchestras in the area. I've been playing with uh, new music ensembles. I just did a concert with Talia Ensemble uh, last week or two weeks ago. I'm playing on Broadway, uh, subbing on a couple of shows, going to do a, a project with a rock orchestra that's getting put together. Um, and it's coming up in the next couple of weeks, we're doing like a showcase. I don't really know what it is yet, but, you know, um, just so that kind of thing, just playing, you know, wherever I can and, and trying to uh, go down a lot of different paths and, and see what happens. Yeah. Because you're, as you said, you're freelancing uh, as your primary thing, are you in Manhattan or Brooklyn or where are you, where you actually? Yeah, I, I live uptown in Manhattan. Okay. Uh, so I, I live in Harlem. Yeah. Give me a sense of what the beginnings of your, of that, that, of that idea of, of how you built it out from the kind of, from the start, your freelance career. That's tough. <laughs> I, so I was freelancing, like, right. I finished my master's. Um, and then I, I kind of went into this, uh, freelance sort of approach to things where I was doing a few part-time things and playing and, you know, and what year is that this? kind of thing that was 2019 graduated uh, oh. May 2019. So <laughs> I was, you can already, you already see where it's going. So I, um, but I was living in Michigan at the time cause I went to university of Michigan for masters. And, um, so I was kind of freelancing from out there closer to Detroit and using that as a base. Um, and then I had this plan that in the spring I was going to move to New York and, you know, all the plans were laid and then COVID happened. So, uh, that kind of derailed the whole freelance thing, um, <laughs> for a little while. Um, but I've been trying to kind of, you know, keep playing whenever I can. And obviously there wasn't anything really to do for a long time and things have been slowly coming back. So i I was, um, trying to keep doing that as much as I could. And then, um, for the last couple of years, I've, I've been teaching full-time in a K to 12 position. So I'm just now kind of transitioning out of that, um, having this weird week where it's back to school here, this, this part of the country anyway. Right, yeah. And, you know, so I'm thinking a lot about my students and feeling like, you know, excited about uh, what I'm doing now, but also like a little sad missing them a little bit. So it's a uh, kind of, you know, it's this summer, that's why it's been so busy. Like it just sort of uh, transitioning out of that, which I really wasn't anticipating doing as far as, you know, even like the end of July, I really wasn't even thinking about this. And then a bunch of things just kind of fell into place, different gigs and whatnot. And, uh, it felt like it was the right moment, but I, I didn't really anticipate that happening right now. So yeah, it's been kind of just a, a little bit of a, you know, race to just kind of get back into it. And, um, yeah, it's it's exciting, but it, I definitely didn't have like a clear, methodical 
way of, of, of doing it this time. It just sort of happened. And, you know, I think that's kind of, I guess that's kind of how it goes. It seems. Yeah. In that time period or in the most, I guess, recent iteration, the intent was not to teach full time, I would guess. Right. Cause you want to do, you want to be freelancing, which would not necessarily necessitate or, Having a full-time job would make that, I, I think, harder, I would, it would seem. Or was that the part of the, the, the group of things? Well, yes. I mean, I, I really love teaching. I have a music education background. Um, it was part of my undergrad. And so I, I, I really love that. And I, when I started doing it during the pandemic, it was, you know, at that time, it was sort of like, okay, this is, I, I'm going to do this because I can't freelance and um, I, you know, I, I'm interested in this and this is something that I can do, you know, so it was, it was an important thing for that, but it, it wasn't like I was just doing it as like a fallback thing. You know, I, I really do genuinely care about it. Um, and my plan was for this year to stay at my school that I was at last year um, to stay full time and to just, you know, continue building my freelance stuff around that. Um, and basically I just, it got to the point where I realized like I was looking at how many hours I have, you know, and it was like, I'm really only available to do any performance stuff at, you know, these few hours. And when I started getting asked to do more gigs, I was seeing like what the schedule was like for that. And it just wasn't going to work. You know, there really, that wasn't a way, there wasn't a way to do it that felt good. Cause it felt like I would have to not, you know, give my all to the teaching job, which didn't feel right to me or, um, you know, or kind of have to, I would just have to say no to a lot of performance things that I really felt like I would want to do, you know? And, uh, so I had this, you know, big kind of debate in my head and, you know, thinking about what I, where I want to be in a couple of years. And, um, as much as I love teaching, I'm still getting to teach, like I mentioned, and a few different, um, things now that are part-time and a little bit more flexible. Um, and so I'm still getting to do that, but the full-time teaching job is like just very challenging to, to work around when you need to be available at all sorts of different hours, you know? So, yeah. So it was, it was a tricky, a tricky decision, but, um, I think, I think it was right for, for right now. And, um, maybe I'll go back to the full-time teaching sometime. I, I really do enjoy doing that. When you first moved to New York, mm-hmm. what's the, what's the first of the things that you do freelance? What was the first place you were trying to get it was it the broadway or was it other stuff the first gigs i had were more like new music chamber music kind of things like the first thing i did i mean i i literally moved here when the lockdown was happening (laughs) in spring 2020 you're like where's everyone going (laughs) yeah i mean you know (laughs) again it was something it was in the works for a long time and there really wasn't i kind of was like i had an apartment here and then you know a day or two later they were like city's locked down. It was like, okay, what am I doing? You know? Um, but yeah, the first gig that I had when I was here was, a was a recording gig for, a um, for a vocalist, but it was a new music thing. It was like a, a, a new opera. She was doing a piece from this opera. Um, so that was the first thing. So I was doing, you know, the, things like that and, uh, more orchestral type gigs, I guess. Um, the Broadway stuff is pretty new in the last, you know, couple of months, like over the summer. Um, but that's been something I've, I've wanted to do for a long time. It just wasn't something that was really 
feasible. I mean, Broadway was closed for so long. And then um, when it was back, you know, people were like the people who have those chairs were, were playing all the shows and not calling out as much. So there wasn't as, it didn't seem like there was as much of a chance to get in and start subbing. Um, But again, that like, so I didn't really see that coming this summer either. It was like on my list to start working that way um, and, and like, start doing what you need to do to get there. But I, I didn't think it would happen. So I feel very uh, lucky and, you know, really excited about it. But yeah. Before you moved to New York City, did you have any specific connections in the area? Um, yeah. I mean, I grew up in, in upstate New York. I grew up in Albany. I guess I've always had like a, a decent number of connections of people that I know in this general part of the world, you know? So, yeah. And I, I feel like through, um, you know, my Eastman connections in Michigan, like there's a good number of people that, um, that I know who are here or who are in New Jersey or, you know, close by enough. So, um, that was part of the reason that I thought it made sense to come back this way after grad school. Um, I was debating for a while between, going to New York or going to Boston. Those were sort of the two places I was really thinking about and ultimately ended up thinking that New York was the right spot. And uh, yeah, I mean, other than, other than the pandemic, it's been great so far. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, um, but that's, I mean, that's anywhere, but I, I'm enjoying being here and, you know, all the, it's great to have all these different um, opportunities and there's just so much going on. So it's, it's a great place to be. When you start doing and attempting to kind of get in this the sub situation for Broadway do you, are is it a just emailing any percussionist be like can i just sit in can i watch can i like is that typically how this works when you're just to just to meet people right yeah that's what i've heard that's basically i mean i know that i've and i've known that for a while that's like you you try to start subbing first and then hopefully you through doing that you know you you just get to know people, you get to know the conductors and the contractors and, you know, eventually maybe sometime they, you know, offer you like a separate thing, or maybe you just are subbing and you just sub on a lot of different shows. I know people who like just do that and don't have their own show, but they just sub on like multiple shows at once. And, you know, um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what I had heard. And every time I asked somebody like, how do you do this? How do you get into the Broadway thing? Um, what do you have to do? that's like all anybody would say is just, you know, try to try to get on a sub list and just, you know, some people will say to cold call and just reach out and other people will say, um, maybe don't do that. Like maybe some, some people aren't as receptive to just getting a random email. Like they don't like that. They'd rather connect with you like through something that's more organic somehow. Or, um, so in my case, I, um, the first show I started subbing on is the music man. Um, and the person who has that chair is Victor Pablo. Um, and Victor and I connected through the, um, PAS diversity Alliance. We were doing some work together, um, during COVID on zoom, like through that. And so we knew each other. Um, and he, I knew that he had that chair. And like, again, that was sort of in the back of my mind, like at some point I should reach out to Victor about this. And then I ended up doing a rehearsal for a totally different gig uh, with somebody else who was actually already subbing for Victor. And so we were chatting about it and he told me, hey, you know, you should you should email him, you know, just just do it. And so I thought like, OK, that's enough of a push. Not that there was any reason to, that I hadn't done it yet. It just I don't know. Um, 
I just hadn't done it yet, you know? <laughs> and so then I felt like, okay, this guy's like recommending this and you know, that there's, I don't know that just felt like, all right, let me do it. So, um, it, I guess was just really great timing. And, and Victor wrote me back and he said, yeah, let's, you know, I'd love to have you come in and, and you can watch and see what you think. And, um, so it just kind of went from there, which was really, you know, super exciting. It's a, it's a really fun show and, um, I'm having a blast so far. How are you managing all of your equipment? Yeah, I have a lot of it in my room here <laughs> with me. Um, your very fuzzy which, room behind you. Yes, yes, it's fuzzy. <laughs> um, that's because it's kind of a mess. But yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> um, is, but yeah. So, I, Colleen, there's a reason why this this uh, computer is angled this direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This exactly. is <laughs> This is as good as it gets. Well. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have a I have a lot of it um, in here with me, but I also uh, recently started sharing a studio space with a couple other percussionists. Um, and you know in a different building so um, that's that's been great you know we have a space now that we can um, just split the practice time and we all have some instruments in there and um, yeah so that that for the most part though during COVID I just had it in my apartment you know just everything with me um, so yeah but uh, most people that, that I know like do the, the kind of studio split thing um, where you just find a space that you can store your gear and, you know, play as loud as you want. And, you know, that's the only thing I can't do in the apartment, but, um, but that's okay. You know, that's, <laughs> that's all right. Because you're in Manhattan, do a lot of your gigs. Is it, what's kind of the, the typical travel situation to get, are you just like, is it trains and buses and, you know, hard, like hardware cases? Like, is that, is that kind of how this is working? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for anything that's in the city, um, pretty much, yeah, just taking the subway or, or the bus or whatever I have to do, um, which is sometimes fine, you know, and sometimes it's pretty tricky if you if I have a lot of gear to move around. Um, but yeah, I, I put stuff in suitcases a lot because um, they're a little bit easier to maneuver than like the, the big, um, I'm forgetting the brand I have now, but one of those like soft hardware bags, you know, yeah. um, it has wheels, but it's like, that's really challenging to get in and out of the subway if it's full of things, you know, and you can't just pick it up easily. Um, so suitcases have worked pretty well for that. Um, and I have a little, a lot of people in New York have these little like laundry carts, you know, that they sell at like the bodegas and stuff. And so I have one of those. So sometimes I throw gear in that and I, you know, use that, um, which again is like helpful. It's got wheels, but like, I don't know, some, like the wheels are, there's big ones in the back and there's small ones in the front. And sometimes if it hits the sidewalk in the wrong way, then it just, you know, catapults everything forward. So like, <laughs> you know, sometimes I have, uh, you know, frustrating experiences trying to get my stuff to <laughs> wherever I have to go, but, um, it's okay. I'm pretty good at it overall. I think. <laughs> I was going to say, that sounds like uh, you've had some uh, negative experiences with the wheel. Yeah, I, well, I've learned. I've, I've had some, like, <laughs> learning experiences, we'll put it that way. But, um, yeah, you know, I've, I have some bruises, you know, it's <laughs> stuff falling. Um, it's okay, you know, it's all it's all part of it. But, I mean, a lot of the times, like, the, which is nice, a lot of the gigs will have the gear just rented you know, for you. So I, I don't usually have to bring that much stuff, but it depends. It depends what I'm doing. Now, aside from kind of the, where we we've kind of started in terms of your uh, freelancing, how did some of the other, cause you, you met you, there's a lot that you do. 
how did some of the other um, organizations you get connected with, how did those happen? So I'm working as far as teaching right now, I'm teaching at um, Hunter College and uh, William Patterson University. I started at Hunter last year and I just started at William Patterson a couple weeks ago. Um, so again, wasn't didn't see that one coming either, <laughs> but um, that came up over the summer, which is really awesome. Um, and, uh, I also work with the New Jersey Youth Symphony, which is a pretty big youth orchestra organization out there. Um, and that one I started in January of last, like this past school year. Um, they called me, um, looking for basically just a, you know, finish out that semester because the person who had the job before, um, quit halfway through and, you know, um, they needed somebody to basically just like get through the end of the year or the end of their season. Um, and then they, you know, offered to like, give me the job and, and have me stay for, for this year and beyond and whatnot. So, um, but that organization, I, they, they knew about me because the, the director of NJYS was actually my youth orchestra conductor, um, way back in the day, which is pretty crazy, but, um, her name's Helen Chapio. And uh, she used to work with Empire State Youth Orchestra, which I was a part of in high school. And um, so we've stayed, you know, in touch. We stay connected. And, um, you know, she I guess she thought of me when she was thinking, like, I need somebody quick who, who can teach. And what I do out there is uh, conduct the percussion ensembles and um, run sectionals for the orchestras. And, you know, basically just anything that's percussion related. Um, it's, you know, coachings and um, taking care of the inventory and like that kind of thing. So she was looking for somebody who had, you know, some teaching experience and playing experience. And, um, I came to mind. So that was, uh, that was exciting. You know, it's, it's fun to like work with her now that, you know, after all these years of having been her student a long time ago and, um, that's, yeah. So that's how that one came about. And, uh, the William Patterson one, um, I connected with Peyton McDonald, who's uh, in charge of the program out there. And um, initially we were just talking about me coming in and doing uh, like a masterclass or, you know, like kind of just a shorter visit. Um, and then he just very kindly said, actually, do you want to teach here? <laughs> you know, which I was, you know, was again, just very, you're like, like during the master class. Kind. Yeah, sure. You know, I can. no, I mean that, that didn't end up happening. Like no, I ended up doing <laughs> class or, you know, but, but that was where, it, <laughs> that was where the conversation started though, is yeah, like, right. I, I had, I actually, I had reached out to him um, just to ask if, if he would be interested in do, if, having me do that. Um, and he, he just, I guess was looking at my background and um, thought that I might be a good fit. You know, there's a lot of music ed majors out there and, um, people have interest in like, you know, a lot of different, uh, types of playing and different ways of like utilizing music in their careers and whatnot. So, um, yeah, he just was, was really generous and really kind and asked if I would want to, uh, join the faculty. So, yeah. So I, I started uh, doing that three weeks ago or so. What's your travel train subway? Walk. Yeah. So getting, getting out to, getting out to New Jersey for both of those things, cause William Patterson is in uh, Wayne, New Jersey. So getting out there, um, I, I drive, mm -hmm. um, I do, I do have a car here, mm -hmm. um, but I, I don't drive it around like the city all that much. You know, it's, it's usually easier, um, to take the trains. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if I have to move a marimba or something like I, I have the car, but, uh, the New Jersey stuff, it's all, uh, happens pretty early in the morning. So, there are trains and buses, but like not at that hour. So um, it helps to have the car. How long does it take to get out there? I'm curious. 
Um, it takes to William Patterson is about 40 minutes from where I live, um, which is one of the one of the reasons that I like where I am in Uptown. Um, and it'd be a lot harder if I was like anywhere else in Manhattan or yeah. in Brooklyn, it would be a lot farther. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's about it's about 40 minutes, you know, without traffic. So yeah. <laughs> you well, never I, know. I don't, I don't know what that was. Sorry. That, did you just speak a foreign language? I'm not sure I understand. Uh, without traffic and new. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I, well, in the morning, like that early, that's kind of why it's like, it's nice that it's early, but it, but it yeah. is early. Um, but yeah, driving out there, it's, it's about 40 and coming back in the afternoon. It's like, you know, you never really know how long it's <laughs> going to be. <laughs> so I, it's like, you need, need a buffer of, you know, <laughs> Like Google Maps will tell me it'll either be like, you know, 40 minutes or an hour and 20 minutes. Right. So it's like either like, you know, twice as long as it should be. Like, I don't, you know, that's yeah, not yeah. helpful, you know? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah. But. I, I grew up on Long Island. So. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we, did, I mean, what, so, and because you're, you're in Albany and you've been like in the area, it's, it's always the common thing when. I wonder if this is like the same with you where like the first like 25 to 25 minutes to an hour of, of like seeing family, it's, it's traffic. Like we just, we have to talk traffic <laughs> and then we can get into whatever else, but it's like, it, it could just be a whole day's conversation of, uh, you know, Brooklyn Queens expressway and the, you know, turnpike this and anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I feel pretty like between the driving and, and the, the, all the different subway things that, you know, I had to do for my teaching jobs and the gigs and whatever, like, I feel pretty good about, like, I've learned a lot about, you know, how to get around here, um, which is, you know, kind of maddening at times, like, but also, you know, it's also kind of fun. So, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to, trying to look on the bright side of, of all the transportation stuff. Yeah. That's all you can do. Yeah. <laughs> I want to ask about your work with the uh, diversity committee. Um, what led you to want to join what, and what your, cause you have a specific, you're a specific subcommittee head, right? For that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this, I joined that officially, I guess, during um, like early on in the pandemic um, and it was just sort of, again, something that like I had known about, and I think I was on the email list, but I hadn't really done anything about, um, but I guess maybe in April or something of, of 2020, I, um, had all this time. Right. So I had like a list of things that I was, I had was thinking about and, you know, I thought, oh yeah, I should definitely, I should definitely do that. I'm overdue for that. So I just reached out to Elizabeth, who's, um, the chair of the whole thing. And, um, yeah, I just told her that I was interested and, and she said, you know, that's great. Like we need somebody to, to be in charge of the subcommittee. Do you want to do that? So we had a conversation about, um, you know, the different committees and what everybody was doing. And, um, initially it was like just me and Jason Truding <laughs> in this, uh, in this group. So it's been pretty small, but we're, you know, that we've had some people come in and out and some people who are the same. And, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a, a nice way to connect with, um, other percussionists and, you know, it's obviously really important work, um, overall. So yeah, um, it's been, it's been a great thing to, to be a part of. What is the specific subcommittee or? It's the, uh, professional opportunities subcommittee, uh, which is not 
super defined as to what that really means. To be honest, we've had a lot of conversations about like, what is that? Um, it's not as clear as some of the other ones, which are much more easy to understand. But I think basically our, um, our interpretation of it right now is just like trying to support, um, you know, people in, in various ways who are looking for, for different kinds of opportunities and, you know, also just kind of celebrating like all the different successes that people across the industry are having, like in different ways, whether that's performance or teaching things or creating organizations or, you know, I'm just looking at different ways that people can be like involved in the percussion community and the music community. Yeah. It's kind of, it's interesting that it, that does seem like a perfect fit for you too. Since you're so good, since you do so many different kinds of professional opportunities. Well, thanks. Yeah. I can, um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm happy to like try to help in whatever way I can, you know, and I don't um, we've, we've done a few different projects. We, you know, my, my subcommittee or our subcommittee, um, led uh we did a, a panel on like diversity and programming and just generally that topic um last summer not this one but the one before um and then we um have also done some work with the recap quartet um which is an amazing uh young percussion quartet um we kind of worked with them last year to do a virtual basic session where we we did kind of like a roundtable interview with them um just to you know, again, like to celebrate what they're doing and, and, you know, help them like, you know, spread what, what they're doing to other people and share what they're doing. Um, and then this year we, we helped them, um, with an application to play at PASIC and they're going to play, um, I forget which day, but they're, uh, performing one of their, one of their pieces at PASIC this year. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's been really great, you know, just to have like a connection with, um, a group that's doing really cool things and is, is, you know, creating a new space in our field. And uh, that feels like a good use of, of what we're doing, you know, in the diversity Alliance. So. I, I understand kind of the, the, the nature of it being kind of not totally defined. Mm -hmm. so I, I yeah. kind of get that. So is there one that, that does talk like very specifically about like freelancing or is that kind of like, you've kind of figured that and it's part of maybe some of your purview. Yeah, I guess that would sort of be us. <laughs> um, but yeah, but it's not it. Yeah, there isn't one that's like specifically that. I mean, the, you know, the subcommittees are a lot of them are focused on different like demographic groups, um, like the, the gender subcommittee or like the LGBTQ plus subcommittee or like, you know, th things like that, you know, so the professional opportunities is not a demographic one. So it's it's a, just a little bit different in that way or. Yeah, it's like, you know, and, and again, like we've had a kind of a core group of people that have been um, involved in it with me for the last couple of years. And then we've had some people come in and out. And depending on that, it's sort of changed a little bit, like what we're focusing on or what we're talking about. And um, yeah, I think we're just we're just trying to do some good, however we can do it and um, make sure that, you know, we're, we're like including and supporting, you know, all, everybody in our community and uh, just trying to work towards a more equitable space. Yeah. What what would you consider the demographic of those who are who are doing your kind of freelancing? The other percussionists. What 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 are we what are we kind of looking at? Um. And what do you mean specifically? Well, uh, I mean, are there? Is it a lot of male identifying, female identifying, young age, like? 
who is typically who who seem to be the is there a group that does seem to be trying to do this career more than others? I don't know. That's a tough one. I think New York is probably different from everywhere else or most places. You know, I mean, I guess any other large cities would be similar to to New York, but um, I think you know, in New York, we have a, a pretty strong contingent of people around my age, younger folks who are doing this or, you know, in, in some way, shape or form, it looks different for everybody. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have, I know a number of people who are, you know, similar background to me or, or similar, like musical background, at least, you know, um, who are doing this, but then there's also a, a pretty large, strong contingent of people here who have been doing this for 30 years, you know, um, who are like, just so again, different generation. And there's a lot of folks who have been involved in the scene in New York for a really long time, whether that's in the orchestral world or the Broadway world or both or um, the chamber music stuff. Like there are, there are a good number of people who have been here um, for a long time. And then, you know, there's, I'm, you know, still getting to know a lot of people, but I also have a bunch of friends who are, you know, kind of coming up and in, in, um, kind of newer to it, but uh, getting involved in different ways. So, yeah, I mean, beyond New York, I, I don't really know. It's, uh, I think when you look at the, the kind of the percussion demographic as a whole, you know, it's, it's probably uh, proportionally similar, I guess, as, you know, if, if you're just breaking it down to like, who's trying to do the freelance uh, path. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if there's a specific group, if that, if that is what you're asking. Well, yeah. I know that there's different you didn't even bring up like the the jazz angle or the well know, yeah of course like, like yeah I'm I'm sort of just I was thinking in like the the kind of world that I'm in as yeah. musically but yeah of course it, that that's a whole other thing too yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah I mean it's it's certainly like uh, still very much like a male dominated space absolutely um, just like any any percussion space is that way in in yeah. this part of the world anyway. All right. Well, let's back up. You said you're from Albany. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Did you have any family members in the arts? Um, no, nobody like professionally in, in the arts ever. Um, but, you know, people who have, you know, took music lessons and played music and whatnot. But yeah, I'm the first to, to go for it as a career. Gotcha. So when did you get the percussion bug? Uh, percussion bug, um, probably in, I mean, definitely in high school at some point, um, I started playing, you know, before that, but I, I don't think I really fell in love with it as much, you know, until probably early high school. Um, and a large part of that was my experience with the Empire State Youth Orchestra that I mentioned earlier. Um, that was a huge, that was a huge thing for me. Um, because just being in the orchestra part of it, but they also have a percussion ensemble component. Mm. Um, so getting to play in an ensemble with, you know, just percussionists for, you know, at that, at that age, it's pretty rare. It's pretty unique. Um, and that was just, you know, a really exciting thing for me. And I had a lot of really good friends in that group. And so that, yeah, when I, when I got really involved in that, I think is when I started to really, um, love percussion specifically. I, I loved music just in general. And I, I played piano and had a really strong piano background and, and everything. And I, I was really into that too. But I think when I started like being in an ensemble with my friends and um, getting to play like a lot of different types of music and different kinds of percussion instruments and things, then I, I really started to realize like how fun it is. And, you know, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't decide to 
go, I, I didn't know that I wanted to go into like music school or anything until probably junior year or something like that, you know, like pretty close to the, the time that you would have to start deciding where you're going to apply. But I, I really, really loved it. It was a big part of my high school experience for sure. Were you starting a piano lessons prior to doing percussion? Yes. Yeah. I started piano when I was like really young, like four, maybe, mm. um, you know, in, in classes and whatnot, piano classes and eventually private lessons from there. Um, and I did that all the way through. Um, the, I stopped my senior year of high school, which was a, a, a tough decision. Um, but it was at that point I was doing both. I was doing the pre- percussion lessons and the, the piano and youth orchestra. And it was like, it was just too much and something had to give. And, and at that point I had decided I wanted to go for percussion. So, um, but I, yeah, I had the same piano teacher, like my entire childhood basically. Um, so yeah, she's a really important piece of, of my life. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. How far did you get piano wise? I mean, I was playing pretty, pretty intense, you know, classical repertoire, but, and I, I think it, this was like, I had this kind of sit down meeting with my piano teacher and my parents and yeah. um, they basically were like, you know, if like, like Colleen could, you know, go probably could go decently far with piano if she wants to like really go for it, but you'd have to like really kind of commit and, put more time in there. And, you know, so that was kind of the moment that I had to think, um, do I want to do that? Or do I want to put more time into, um, percussion? And, you know, ultimately I just decided that, I mean, I love playing piano. I still play, I have a keyboard like right there Mm -hmm. that I still play on. Um, it's a little fuzzy. A lot. I I mentioned, but yeah, Yeah, I mean, you know, but, uh, it's It's in this general, um, (laughs) (laughs) it's right. You can see it, you know, here you can see the fuzz. Um, but, (laughs) Uh, but I still play, like I play a lot to just, you know, to, um, it feels like still kind of musically like home to me a little bit. And so it's nice to just have that. And, uh, I still do like, you know, church gigs and things like that on piano. So, um, yeah, it's been great to, to keep having that be a piece of my life, but, um, as far as like the, the intense kind of classical piano, like thing, I, you know, um, I had to kind of step away from that, I guess, or, or pause, you know, what I was doing there. But yeah. Yeah. We are. So are we talking like, like a charity? Um, yeah. I mean, I studied like one or two, I never like played a concerto with, with an ensemble or anything like that, but yeah, just the solo repertoire. Like I played a lot of, um, I, I really liked playing a lot of like romantic music. So I was doing a lot of Brahms, Chopin, um, you know, things like that. Um, like yeah, ballads. just all, all sorts of different solo piano repertoire. Yeah. 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 Like the ballads? Yeah. I mean, I was really into like the Chopin nocturnes for a Ooh. while. Yeah. You know, I, I really liked playing stuff like that. Um, I got into, I was in like a Debussy phase for a long time. <laughs> um, with like you, the you have to hit that at some point. You do. You know, yeah. I mean, but, it, you know, I, I liked anything that I felt like I could be really expressive, you know, was the kind of stuff that I liked. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I studied, like, I, I remember learning one of the Beethoven uh, concerti, you know, but I, I never, I never played it. I think I was, I think there was like a competition that, that you had to learn that for. And that was at some point, there was a discussion that like, maybe I would do that. And then ultimately I, I didn't do it, but I, I remember learning the piece. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have any favorites of the, of the sonatas of his? Honestly, I can't think of one that's like okay. sticking out more than another, but sure. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> you never opened up the hammer clavier and just been like, let me see if I can play this 45 minute. No, no. I did open up like one time. I, I did, or more than once, I guess. I <laughs> took out Rhapsody in Blue, you know, and I've, oh, tried yeah. to, I've tried to, you know, mess around with that. I can't, you know, there's parts of it that I definitely really can't play properly, but um, mm-hmm. it's, you know, the parts that I can, it's fun, you know? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, so, um, but it's a great, you know, that's a great piece. So, yeah. Um, yeah, no, but I, I also just really enjoy like improvising on the piano and just, you mm-hmm. know, um, it's, easier sometimes for me to do that than it is to like go improvise on on the marimba or any percussion instruments just because like my brain goes so much into like the the technical things now with percussion and um I just don't think about that in the same way with piano so it's a little bit more freeing to just sit down and and play tell me a little bit more about the format of the Empire State Youth Orchestra was this a the day of auditions at like certain times a year so, and is there, is it like nine through 12? What's the kind of the grade wise, excuse me. Um, what's the, the age tip range of the students who are in there? Empire State Youth Orchestra, we shorten it, we call it SEO. It's a pretty like robust organization. There's multiple tiers of orchestra. Mm-hmm. There's uh, jazz programs. There's the percussion ensembles I mentioned. There's like a, a you know, strings program separate from the orchestra. Um, so it's it's kind of like a big big umbrella um, arts organization in, in the capital region in New York. So depending on like which group, you know, so some of the groups kids are as young as you know, I guess maybe even elementary school for some of the uh, string programs. Sure. But then for the winds and percussion, um, probably the youngest is, is typically like middle schoolers at some level. Um, and then when you get to the higher level orchestras, it's it's pretty much all high school students at that level. Um, so yeah, they do auditions, um, like at the end of the school year, usually sometime in June, um, to start the following fall. And it's just, it follows the academic, uh, calendar, you know? And so I auditioned, I got involved, I think my year, like going into eighth grade is when I started. And then I was there all the way through the end of high school. Um, and I started just in the percussion ensembles, um, which is actually three levels of that. It's, it's like built out over all these years to um, like, a, it's again, a really large percussion program, which is really cool. And so I auditioned and I was first, I was in the uh, middle of the three ensembles um, and then ultimately moved up to the, the highest level one um, in high school. And then similarly with the orchestras, when I decided to, to do the orchestra thing as well, I started in the second orchestra and then moved up to the first one. Yeah, it was, it was, it, it's an amazing program, you know, and I, I got to work with some incredible conductors like Helen, who I mentioned earlier, and uh, David Beck is the the other orchestra conductor that I worked with. And um, my percussion teachers in that program ended up being my private teachers, uh, Richard Albagley and Mark Foster. And uh, they're both, you know, just completely amazing and, and changed my life. So yeah, it was, um, it's, it's really an awesome thing. And I, I just feel like I kind of, lucked out and, and hit the jackpot as far as, you know, percussion education prior to college. Is it pretty typical for students who, and this may not be as, as applicable to the non-string side, but that it's like a string player would, would kind of enter into the youngest and then they would just stay the whole time and kind of shift all the way up to the top group? Yeah, I think, I think, that was, I mean, I'm sure that was the goal of the program. Like, I'm sure they wanted that to happen. And, and I think there definitely were students that 
probably were involved for, you know, a really long time. And um, percussion wise too, it was like, you know, I was with the same, for the most part, with the same kind of cohort of people, like all the way through. It was once you were involved, you, most people stayed until they graduated. Um, we, you know, there were a couple kids who would drop out for whatever reason, but um, yeah, I mean, it was, it, it was, yeah. I mean, people, people wanted to be involved and um, yeah. So it was like, it was this great thing. I had these friends that I was friends with them for the whole time through high school. Um, and we just played all sorts of concerts and, you know, got to do lots of, lots of fun things together. And it was really, um, yeah, it's a really special experience. Is there also opportunities to, when you get into the higher groups to teach the younger groups or to be involved in that process at all? I think there might be more of that now. Um, there, there wasn't a ton of that, I guess, like in an official way when I was there, but, but unofficially, yeah, definitely. Um, we would have, again, with the percussion ensemble things, like we would do percussion concerts where all three ensembles would play. So the younger kids would get to see the older students and even just through like observation, I mean, you learn a lot. Um, but yeah, the older students would help the younger ones with, you know, setups and, you know, moving, like learning how to take care of the gear and pack things up and like all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was it was very much like a community um, experience. Yeah. What ends up being kind of a... Uh, performance schedule and do you get to does that group particularly the top group does it does it tour at all or is there you kind of just stay in one spot the whole time yeah the uh the top orchestra the, which they call the youth orchestra um does tour and actually i again was extremely lucky when i was a senior we toured we went to china and south korea um, which was totally incredible. And uh, before that, they had done like, I think a number of tours, they used to maybe do it every five years or so maybe. Um, and so they had done a number of tours to Europe. And this was the first time they went to Asia. Um, and it was like, just absolutely amazing experience. Um, so yeah, so so the top group does tour. Um, but as far as like a regular concert schedule, we probably did... Um, I mean, I guess in the orchestra, we maybe did like four concerts a year or something like that sure. um, every couple of months, you know, and uh, the percussion concerts we did uh, maybe three or maybe four, I think, depending. Um, there was usually one in the fall and there was always a holiday concert right around yeah. Christmas and Hanukkah time. Um, and yeah, there would always be one in March and yeah, one of the, so I guess four as well. Yeah. So um, it was like, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty hefty performance schedule if you're involved in like both of those things, both yeah. of those ensembles. Um, so I got a lot of experience, you know, playing, which was um, amazing, you know, and played a ton of repertoire. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. What, were, what were some of the kind of the bigger pieces you got to play in that group? Well, the, one of the first on the first concert that I was on for the youth orchestra, the top group, uh, we played Colas. And nice. I got it. I got assigned the xylophone part. Yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but I didn't. The great thing was I had no idea that it was like the whole last xylophone. Like I didn't know what oh, that yeah. was. And I didn't know it was an excerpt. I, didn't, I don't think I even knew what an excerpt really was, you know. Yeah. And uh, that was the best because I like there was no like stress, this weird excerpt stress, yeah. you know. I just like played the part, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, awesome. it was it was, you know, um so that was like and that was like the first concert. Yeah, that was the fall concert that we did with my first time with them. Um but we played a number of like, you know, larger symphonic works. We also did a bunch of um 
newer symphonic works too, which was really cool. That kind of got me exposed to um, new music outside of the percussion context, mm. um, which was really great. Uh, and we did, like, I remember on the tour that we did to Asia that we played a couple uh, new pieces by um, composers who were connected with those countries in some way, either they were from those countries or they had, you know, uh, roots there, or yeah. things like that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was a lot of, it was a lot of different things. I really appreciated that. Like it wasn't, it wasn't just um, your kind of typical like Beethoven or, or anything. Like we played Scheherazade. Um, That's pretty, and, you know, yeah, that was, that was definitely like a big one. I remember that being a, I was the triangle for oh. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's fine. You know, that's okay. Um, <laughs> but I was, yeah, that was, I think my, maybe my sophomore year or something. I remember the seniors being really, really excited that we were doing Scheherazade. And um, again, I think I, I was excited because I liked the piece, but I, I don't think I had the understanding like from a nerdy percussion perspective at that time, like what that, you know, I was just like, Oh yeah, this is a beautiful piece. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which, you know, I kind of miss that now. Like, <laughs> I wish I could still see it that way. Of course, yeah. Um, which I do, but, you know, now I'm also like, okay, but how are they doing the, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, what's the technique here? Of I, course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when, when did they rehearse? So we would rehearse Tuesday nights, and uh, it's a little bit different now, but it, when I was there, it was uh, very kind of insane, honestly, sure. <laughs> for percussion people. We would rehearse, um, percussion ensembles were like, or the top percussion group was four to six on Tuesday afternoons. Um, and that was, uh, we would rehearse at the campus of SUNY Albany um, for percussion. And so we'd do four to six, and then we would have to like put everything away at six o'clock. And then we'd have to go travel to a different venue mm. and set up for a seven o'clock um, youth orchestra. And that would be like seven to 10. And then we would have the packing up, which always took a while. And, you know, and so like, by the time I got home on Tuesdays, it was like 11, you know, and it was, um, basically just straight through after school, um, yeah. doing this. So it was, it was like a very intense schedule. Um, but, uh, it just contributed also to like the, the community and camaraderie thing because we would all car carpool to the different places. And it was, you know, it was just like, we're all spending this good long chunk of time together and going through it together. And, um, yeah, so that that was the schedule when I was there, but it's I think they're on different days now. So, <laughs> yeah, and they're also um, they just announced recently that they're like SEO is creating like a like a physical building that's going to be the SEO building where all the groups are going to be able to rehearse, um, and that's a new thing for them. They've you know we've just rehearsed at different locations. All the ensembles were somewhere different, you know, prior to this, and I think they're going to have like practice space and you know lots of um, basically like just like a whole building like full of SEO stuff, which is really exciting. Like that's a, I'm really, I'm really happy to, to hear about that. Yeah. So I, I, I'm curious what you, cause you've, you've told me a lot about the empire state. So does that mean that your, what was your, what was your height? Did you have a high school music experience too, along with the, so actually no, um, okay. <laughs> which is, yeah, I went to a, a small, I was at a very small high school that did not have a music program. Um, for the most part, you know, and I, um, I tried as a like freshman, like high schooler to convince my principal that we really needed to have a music program. <laughs> and, um, I, I kind of got somewhere in it. It wasn't just me, but I, I remember like going and having meetings, you know, I would set up meetings with the principal, which, um, when I look back on it now is, is kind of 
I don't know, it's kind of funny, but yeah. at the time I was just like, I have to go meet with the principal to talk about right. this music program. And um, so they ended up like starting a very small program. It was very choir focused. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time I graduated, there was like a small choir, um, but that was basically the extent of the music program there. Um, so yeah, so SEO was was basically my high school. Like that was my, that was my experience, private lessons and um, SEO. So it was... It was really everything for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. Have you met other people who've had a similar experience? Because that sounds very, that's a, that's unique to me at least. I don't know. but Yeah. Um, I, I, that's a good question. I don't, I can't think of anybody actually, but I, I also haven't asked, I guess, everybody, you know, but yeah, I mean, I know like that it's, it certainly wasn't the typical um, high school band kind of experience. I didn't never had any marching band experience or anything, which is something that I really wish I, I did have at some point. But um, yeah, I, honestly, though, in Albany, like they're basically none of the schools had marching programs. It's not oh. really a thing up there. Hmm. Um, so even if I went to, a, you know, a larger school that that had a band program, it wouldn't have been focused on marching at all. Um, but yeah, I, I certainly, I didn't come at it from like that background at all. I came at it from this um, private piano background and then this uh, percussion ensembles and, and youth orchestra. Um, and again, like playing in church was a big thing. I did that a lot in high school. Yeah, I guess, I guess it's a little, a little off the, the path, but um, yeah. I don't know. I'm sure, I'm sure there's other people out there who, who had a similar experience though. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, yeah, that's super fascinating. Because when you were telling me the schedule, I just kept thinking, okay, but what, like, when does she have to go to band? Like, you know, and uh, like, right. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't, yeah, that wasn't, I didn't have that in school. Like we had, um, there was a room in the school though, that had like an old piano in it. That was kind of like up like the long, there was like a hallway and then you would just go up the stairs and nobody was ever over there. Mm. And there was just a piano. And so like my free periods, I would go over there a lot and just, again, just like play yeah, um, yeah. or practice or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was like the extent of, of music happening during my school day. It just wasn't, um, it wasn't part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So Colleen, where did you end up going to undergrad? I did my undergrad at Eastman school of music. Okay. Now in what ways were you aware of the school, the program, everything there? I was pretty aware of it, um, beforehand because, you know, we were just talking about the youth orchestra thing again, but, um, my, one of my teachers there, uh, Richelle Bagley went to school at Eastman. Um, and, uh, actually the, the conductor who I mentioned, uh, earlier, uh, also Helen Chapio also studied at Eastman. Um, so I knew, you know, two of my kind of icons had gone there and there were a number of, uh, percussion alums from that program as well, who had gone to Eastman. So, yeah, I, I knew about the school. Um, I looked at a lot of schools. I looked at, like, I don't remember, but it was a large number. And some of them were, you know, conservatories. And some of them were uh, music schools on a university campus. And some of them were not music programs, just general college programs. Um, so it wasn't like I knew I really wanted to go to Eastman the whole time. But, yeah, I was definitely aware of it. I knew that it was a, a really excellent place. And... Um, I really admired the people I knew who had gone there. Yeah. Curiously, were the schools you were looking at, were they all in the Northeast or were they across the country or various locations? 
Um, not just the Northeast. I didn't look at any, any places like on the other side of the country, but, you know, I did look out at, you know, Northwestern and University of Michigan and, you know, kind of places in sort of that distance away. Yeah. What was first indication when you get there that you're as, as I think, I feel like is known about Eastman, you're just, you're not just around like the best, you know, such great percussionist, but there's like the hotshot pianist and there's like the incredible violinist and like, you just have all this talent just overflowing. What's, what's that like? Uh, it's amazing. I mean, it's a, it's an amazing place. Definitely. It was a very special place to be for, you know, several years, just kind of around so many creative people and people who are, yeah, just doing people at Eastman are doing really interesting things. You know, um, there's a lot of creativity. There's a lot of all sorts of interesting projects going on and and you can kind of find community for the the specific thing that you're interested in, or you can just create your own. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely like in the percussion studio specifically, but also just beyond to the whole school, it's a lot of fun. Um, I was in the, I was in theory classes with like a smaller cohort. Mm -hmm. Um, They had this sort of, uh, I don't know. It was like a small cohort of us that they put into this this theory track where we we just did all of our theory courses and oral skills together, and it was just ten of us. And I was the only percussionist. It was like mostly pianists and composers and um, some vocalists and string players, things like you know. Um, and it was amazing. Like it, you know, that was we had these eight thirty a.m. classes, which normally would be, you know, just kind of exhausting and draining and, and they were at times, but they were also just, you know, sometimes my favorite part of the day because um, the people I was in that cohort with were just brilliant. And it was, we would have these really interesting debates and we would just do all sorts of fun things like sightseeing, you know, <laughs> ridiculous repertoire. And, you know, just like, I don't know, it was that, like, that was a really exciting thing to be a part of um, because I got to just connect with people outside of the studio in a really deep way for like two years, you know, through that whole track. What was studying under Burrett like? It's fun. It's a great time. <laughs> um, very fast paced. A lot of, you know, um, <laughs> he's got a lot of energy. So um, you're, you're always doing something. And um, I think, I think that's great. He's like, he's a great leader. He really sets the tone, I think, for what he wants to see in the studio and, um, my perspective as an undergrad was I always felt like the grad students were, you know, super supportive um, and kind of really followed his lead as far as setting studio culture. Um, and that was a huge thing because you spend so much time together and it's really important to have, you know, a, a good environment and a, a place that people want to be. So um, that's one of the, just the biggest things I think I really appreciate about Burrett looking back at, at the time. Um but yeah, I mean, I, I learned so much from him. I still learn from him every time we talk. So um, I, I'm really happy that I ended up deciding to go to Eastman. And um, yeah, I've got the chance to work with Burrid and uh, everybody in the studio. You know, it's a, it's, a really, it's a really great place for sure. What kinds of things when you were studying under him were, did he see as kind of like, this is things you should work on. Here's, here's where you're at. What, what were the things that kind of he ended up helping to fill the gaps? There were lots of things <laughs> um, over the years, but I guess, you know, towards the, well, I guess maybe it's something he, he talked to me about, like through my whole time there and, and still sometimes talks to me about is just the, um, 
you know, things about like overall presence when you're performing. And, um, you know, he, he would tell me specifically that I, I, you know, sometimes can be very like, uh, I don't physically give off the energy that I'm trying to in the, in the piece, you know, um, like he would, you know, he would say like, I know you feel that inside or you, you know, you, you understand like what you're trying to communicate, but it doesn't always come out in the, my mannerisms, I guess, or like the physicality of it. So we had a lot of conversations about that and just like different types of performers and different settings when you might need to be in, you know, different kinds of, you might need to like turn on different pieces of, of whatever, depending on the context that you're in or, you know, things like that. So that was something we had, we had a lot of discussions about, um, which, you know, he's, he's probably right. I can be uh, <laughs> pretty, you know, I can seem pretty calm even when I'm, when I'm like really intense, you know, but I think sometimes I just, people see me as just sort of mellow and um, mm-hmm. chill and, you know. You, you make me think of, um, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not giving this sense that this is you, but, but there was a, we, there was a performer when I was in, in uh, grad school who was a, who like, wrote his own pieces and they were very much kind of in like Chopin, but the guy would walk out in this mo in like this, almost like, like, Oh no, you know, like here's all these people watching me and like, you know, very kind of move like this. He'd sit down and then he like, it was like light switch, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and then he'd finish and he'd just walk. Oh, like he just like set fire to the piano and he's like slowly backed away from. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Bert, you know, because he, he's such a, like an electric performer, yeah. you know, if you've seen him, like he's, you know, he's so, um, he's yeah, just so energetic. And, um, so it's not, and it's not that I'm not energetic at, you know, times or like ever, but, um, and it's not that he was saying it as, as a criticism all the time, but it was just sure. something we kind of had, like, we revisited that conversation a lot just about, um, being able to really communicate what you're trying to say through the music. I guess that's the, that's the essence of it. It's less about the physical portrayal stuff, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. But just being like a really effective communicator. What was the ensemble spirit experience like? Percussion ensemble at Eastman is very busy. Again, it's very intense. Um, you're rehearsing a lot, but I loved it. I really enjoyed it. And um, I think you know, almost everybody in the studio was really into it. Um, and so it, it was like generally a, a kind of a culture that people really wanted to, you know, do a great job. People really wanted to um, put together the best show that we could. And um, so it was really exciting. You know, the concerts were always a blast. It was really fun to get to see. Uh, you would always know like what repertoire was going on, what pieces were happening, but you might not necessarily hear the pieces throughout the whole process of, you know, preparing them or something if you weren't playing on it. So um, the concerts were always like really exciting. And um, we usually had like a good number of people from you know outside of the studio who would come. And um, so it was like always a lot of fun, really high energy um, concerts. And yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed that experience. Um, it's split into two, uh, basically two ensembles is, is how they do it. So the chamber percussion ensemble is freshmen and sophomores primarily, um, or really, yeah, just freshmen and sophomores. And that group is coached by the grad students. Um, and Burrett, you know, will come in and, and oversee, but each grad student gets to work on a piece, you know, throughout the, the concert cycle um, with a certain group of students. 
And then the percussion ensemble is typically juniors and above. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's kind of cool being in the, you know, chamber percussion. Um, it's not like you're not getting the same intense experience like you are, but it's, it's in some ways even more intense because it's really focused on your, your cohort, your class, and, and just the one adjacent to you. And it, it really preps you very nicely to go into the, you know, the, the older group, I guess. So that's really great. You know, it's like it's a mix of larger ensemble pieces and then, you know, quartets or trios or very small um, repertoire. So, yeah, I played play a lot of percussion ensemble music uh, while I was at Eastman and it was a great experience. What kind of stuff were you were part of your recitals when you were there? My recital, my senior recital, I played, um, as far as percussion ensemble, I played third construction, which felt like, you know, something I wanted to do. And Rite of passage um, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hadn't, I hadn't had the chance to play it otherwise. And it yeah. was like, I, I want to do it. I want to dig sure. into it. And so I played that for, for the ensemble piece of it. I played Ray Bonds, um, both A and B. Um, what order? I played, uh, I played A, then B. Okay. Yeah, I had them. And I don't know if I actually liked this idea, but I, I, I started the recital with that. So I just walked out and I like went right into Bravon's yeah. A, which was fun. And I liked that part, but I, I had this, I had them set up on like two opposite sides of the stage because I had a marimba and some speakers in between them. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, I, I guess I thought that would be like a cool symmetry thing, but I had to walk, you know, <laughs> to the other setup in between and, uh, I don't know how I feel about that, you know, because like <laughs> now that I look, I'm like, oh, I wouldn't do that again now. But um, so you know, because you, you finished, the a, so basically you finished A, and you're like, how do I, what do I do? <laughs> well, I mean, I I, I had it planned, and sure. it was, you know, I, I I did it in a way that was made it seem like it was part of the piece, but um, I was kind of out of breath, you know, and, and <laughs> I was. You know, like I was like, there was all the tension from just like, like and so quietly, a eh? yeah. you know, and it was like it was very, um, yeah, and I was like all keyed up, and um, and then I had to walk over there and play B, and um, yeah, so <laughs> um, that was an interesting way for sure to start a recital, but um, good, I like whatever, it. it you know, <laughs> I like it. No, yeah, try things. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I played that, and I played. Um, I actually played a, a piece for marimba and electronics that um, was sort of written for me by uh, one of the professors at Eastman, one of the theory professors, actually, who I worked with in that cohort that I mentioned. Um, his name's Matt Curley, and uh, he's since written a lot of percussion ensemble music for um, for Burrett and Eastman and, and some other ensembles, too, which is really cool. Um, but he and I collaborated, you know, in maybe my junior year even maybe partially my sophomore year, he had this like large scale piece that he was doing. And so we started working together and he ended up taking a kind of a, an excerpt of that piece and turning it into a marimba plus electronic solo. Um, So I got to kind of do the premiere of that on my recital, um, which was really cool. It's in two movements um, and the first movement he added on. So that was like completely new material. And then the second was the repurposed stuff. so I played that, and uh, what else did I play? I played the full uh, From My Little Island, the yeah. Aldridge piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Ooh. yeah, that was my recital. It was, a, it was a cool mix of stuff, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, the, I, sometime in the last 
actually, well, last time I did a recital, which was two and a half years ago, but, but I played the third movement. Um, I can't remember the name of it. It's the one with all the triplets. Yeah. Dance of passion. Yes. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Yeah. You know, look it on paper and you're like, I could, I could knock this out. And then like, man, even, even coming up like two days from like, am I going to, Oh my gosh, this could fall apart. (laughs) It's hard. Yeah. (laughs) That one is, that one is very hard. Yeah. It's a great, I Um, I loved it, but man, Colleen, yeah, I, I mean, I definitely, I definitely think anybody who plays that piece should play the whole thing. Sure. Um, you know, I know a lot of people learn you know, like a few movements and mm-hmm. um, just like they'll do like a sort of a selection. And I think, I mean, all the movements are cool on their own. But the, but my experience was learning the whole thing made me see every every movement in a different way, and and it made them a lot more meaningful. And uh, I think the piece has a really cool arc, like as a whole. I, yeah, I couldn't, I'm, I mean, I'm sure lots of people have done that obviously, but I couldn't find online like any, you know, recordings of the whole thing. Mm. I, would, I just found record or, you know, Nancy Zeltzman has recorded it for her album, but as far as videos, you know, I, I um, couldn't like, it was just videos of like dance of passion or, you know, maybe three or four movements at a time. So um, I, I kind of, I think I started with that approach that I was just going to do a few of them and then, I just got really into it and I, I sort of dug through and learned the whole piece. And then it became like a, it's like 21 minutes or so if you do the whole thing. So it became kind of a, a, a good chunk of my recital just to, to kind of do that entire experience. Yeah. Well, and the composer speaks highly of you as I, as I read. Yeah, he, uh, he's, <laughs> yes, he's been very supportive, which is awesome. I didn't know him at all before. Um, doing that piece. I, I didn't know his music or anything. And um, I ended up making a video of, of the full piece um, after my recital and uh, I shared it with him and he was really excited about it. Uh, and that's always, yeah, it's always a great feeling. I like, I'm really happy that he likes how I play it. Yeah. That's awesome. That's <laughs> yeah. And we'll get to hear more from Colleen and her journey next week. So stay tuned. This week's rave is a thank you to all that were involved in my recital this week. The biggest thanks specific to the recital goes to Megan Arns and Alexandros Fragiscatos, both multiple-time guests on the show, both good friends and colleagues, and both played great on my recital. Alexandros accompanied me on Cajon for a performance of the Piazzolla Samu Libertango that went over really well with the audience. And for both of them on premiering my new percussion trio, Trio for a Trio of Trios. Both went over very well. Big thank you to David Myers and his entire AV crew in the hall for the job they did with the recital and the live stream. All reports came through that the live stream went very well, was well-received, and it sounded great. The camera work was also pretty great, which is tough dealing with me who moves around way too much when I talk. Most importantly, I was really, really pleased with the attendance and the enthusiasm of the audience for the recital. 
Maybe this is just the benefit of performing when the calendar is lighter in September, but there were a good amount of students I've taught in my classes or who are in marching band, along with those in the percussion studio who were there, and it was wonderful to hear from them these past few days about the performance. It meant the world to get texts, calls, messages, emails. It made this old man pretty happy. A number of my teaching colleagues at Mizzou also attended, and they were also very complimentary. And that is high praise because I know they see and hear all this stuff all the time. And my wife, who is my biggest supporter, also really enjoyed the concert. Of course, that was great to hear. But all of this is to say, as I did last week, go see people perform. They will greatly appreciate it, as I did for all those who've had a chance to see it. And that's our show. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave a comment and a rating. You can always find every episode and the show notes at the homepage at PeteZambito.com slash Pete's Percussion Podcast, the episodes. The show is also on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast locations. If you're on Facebook, like the page Pete's Percussion Podcast. You can find me there on Instagram and Twitter at Pete Zambito or by email at Pete'sPerkPod at gmail.com. And I'll catch you next time for part two with Colleen Bernstein. Until then.